Thank you for joining us today on the Hope Church LV podcast. We are excited that you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our teaching series, From Two Through Four, where we explore God's plan for fueling his mission. If you are joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Hope Church family. Glad you are here this morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to First Chronicles. The Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Meet you there in just a moment. If I have not got a chance to meet you, I would love the opportunity. I know we have many new people at Hope. So after the service, I will be in the lobby. I would love an opportunity to shake your hand, get to know you and see how you can get connected here in the Hope Church family. But I wanna, I wanna start a little differently. We're gonna, we're gonna get into the Bible today quite a bit. Lots of Bible verses, buckle up. We're gonna get into some depths today. But I wanna start a little differently than we normally do. And I wanna actually shout out some just incredible things that are happening right in our midst. Specifically, as we seek to, to make disciples and connect people to live the life of Jesus follower in Las Vegas, the West and the world, I just wanna take a moment, whether you're new or you've been here for a long time, to, to shout out just some incredible things God is doing in our fellowship and through our fellowship. We'll start with the city of Las Vegas. For the last 22 years, we have been about seeing God's kingdom. It's expanded here in the city of Las Vegas. I'm looking down here and see Kat Carmona. Her and Bob have served. So she's like, you're shouting me out in church. I'm shouting you out in church. Her and Bob have served Highway to Hope. I mean, they've been serving the homeless community here for years and years and years. So many good things that they've done. And I just saw you on the front row, Miss Kat, and I just want to shout you out. But through our city engagement ministry, The Hub, we're doing a lot of amazing things. I wanna show you, I asked our team to kind of compile a list of just a few things as we celebrate God's activity and we'll put them here on the screen. This is through our ministry, The Hub, our city engagement ministry, a few things that just happened last year. This isn't 22 years, this is 2022. This is just last year. Through our Fostering Hope Lane, which you heard about earlier, we actually have a resource center there called Hannah's Closet, where we help foster families. We open it up for foster families to come shop for free. Last year, we gave 17,000 items away through that ministry center to say, here, we just wanna bless you and your families as you endeavor in this hard work of foster families. We can get excited about that, by the way. You can, you can celebrate, it's okay. Tom's excited. Through our Lane Cultivate, which is, which is resources and helps educators. We served over 900 different educators through CCSD in 11 different schools. 900 educators heard about the ways that we wanna come alongside them and serve them. The Lovewell Center, targeting homelessness and poverty in our community, served over 350 individual people who are struggling and many living on the streets, teaching them how to, how to get back on their feet and showing them the love of Jesus. And of course, purchased our, our human trafficking lane that we are targeting and helping in that area. We have helped 10 girls through our teen recovery program. In fact, two of them actually graduated from high school through our program. This is the way, <laughs> praise God. And that's just in one year, I just wanna shout out, like God did that through, whether you're brand new or you've been here for many years, God did that through this fellowship, his grace through us. 
Love that. But not just Las Vegas. We also, from the beginning of our church, wanted to see God's kingdom expanded in the western United States. So from the beginning, if you didn't know, we were a church plant. So we've been about planting new churches, helping start new churches. And in fact, since we've started 22 years ago, we've partnered and helped starting 82 new churches up and down the west coast. Here's what that means. Thousands of people are gathering today in a gospel-centered, Bible-preaching church that we helped start somewhere on the West Coast. That's amazing. In fact, we financially still support 15 of those churches every month. These are kind of our babies that we're getting up to speed and getting to where they can be self-sustained. But until they do, we're coming alongside them every single month, 15 of those church plants. We have Las Vegas we have the West, but also what we just sang is true. How great is our God, not just in Las Vegas, not just in the West, but all over the world. Love when we sing different languages to see that God's kingdom is coming to all the ends of the earth. And we've seen to expand God's kingdom around the world. So I asked Pastor Tom, who leads that area in our church, I said, send me a few amazing stories of what God did through Hope Church last year. And here's just three snapshots he sent me. As you know, last year we sent money to help fund a coffee shop in Southeast Asia that will, simp that will begin to open up sometime this year, which will be one of the only public places where they are sharing the love of Jesus publicly to other people that don't know him. It might look like a coffee shop, but we know it's a gospel center where people are hearing the gospel. This one is amazing. We, we helped furnish a prayer center in the Middle East, don't let that fall on you in a, in a small way. In the Middle East, an area of our world that is just in, sh in shackles of Islam, we have a prayer center where people are talking to Jesus and we have furnished that area and actually help people continue to get to know Jesus. I got a text just on Thursday from uh, one of our partners who is, is, is reaching the Islamic community and he actually sent a text like he always does and it was another Muslim that had recently come to faith and it was a picture of him being baptized. A Muslim that had be, come to faith in Jesus being baptized. And then another Southeast Asian country, 90% of the rural communities in that country are without clean drinking water. And so we've partnered with an organization that's helping uh, create filtration systems where we can actually give filtration systems to those communities. And we're not dropping them down in a helicopter and saying, here, we want to provide a physical need. No, we're partnering to hand deliver those to these rural communities so that, yes, we can meet a physical need of water, but also we can introduce them to the source of living water and share with them the love of Jesus. If you're brand new, you just gotta know, this is the stuff we get excited about. And this right here is amazing, but it's so cool to look at that list of stuff and say, God is doing that through this church. But I say all that to ask a very simple question. How on earth does all that amazing stuff happen? Specifically, how are missionaries resourced and, and churches planted and ministries that you are, your kids are in right now, or even the fact that we are in this amazingly comfortable, awesome worship center, like how on earth does all that happen? Specifically for our time together today, here's the question I wanna ask. What is God's plan to fuel his mission, to resource his mission? Maybe you've never stopped to think about that. But this stuff doesn't just happen. God has a plan to make these things happen. It all is from him, but he has a plan. And so this weekend, we're starting a two-week series 
called from, to, through, for. God's plan for fueling his mission. Now, you may be thinking, that's a very interesting sermon series title. What's up with the four words? Well, I want to show you through a few phrases that the four words are actually the action of how God fuels his mission. Put them on the screen for you. The first one is from the Lord. It's this idea of provision. Everything we have comes from the Lord, but it's also to his people. This is the idea of stewardship. Everything we have comes from the Lord, but, but he has made us managers or stewards of it. From the Lord to his people, through the church. One area of, of, of the way God fuels his mission, one aspect is through the local church, just like Hope Church. That's why you'll hear it once and you'll hear it a thousand times. We don't give to a church, we give through a church. This is God's plan for fueling his mission. And then finally, for the world. Mission. It's not just about us so we can have a nice, comfortable Christian life. We want to see God's kingdom expanded in Las Vegas, the West, and the world. From the Lord to his people, through the church, for the world. That is the, the crux of this series. I encourage you. We're going to be here this week and then also next week. Make sure you come back. Today, we're gonna to talk specifically about from the Lord and to his people, but this series, I'm praying, will be very, very freeing for some of you. Some of you are here right now, and you may be even rolling your eyes, thinking, why are we doing a series on money? Why are we doing a series on generosity? And, and I wanna actually address that. I wanna look at a few reasons why I believe, and we as a pastoral team believe, this is a very timely series for us as a church. Here's a few reasons why this series. The first one the history of Hope Church. Looking around the room and I see some, some Hope OGs, some people that have been here for a long time. I'm thankful for the people that have been here for a long time. You know this to be true, that I am stepping into a legacy here at Hope Church of faithful Bible teaching on this area of financial generosity. From the moment our church was planted in 2001, in our founding pastor Vance's living room, he began teaching people very regularly and consistently every 18 months to two years on this idea of financial stewardship. Why? Because so many people get caught up in it specifically in the church. We want to free you. We want to show you what God has to say about it. In fact, even this series, some of you may be looking at the title. Wait a minute. Didn't we already do a series like this? In fact, yes. Back BC, that means before COVID, we did a series in 2018 called From Two Through Four. I'm so grateful that today I stand on the shoulders of Pastor Vance and Travis and, and the other guys that helped develop some of these concepts that we're gonna tackle over these next two weeks. We have been consistent and lovingly preaching what the word of God says. I wanna remind you, the Bible talks a lot about money. Jesus talked a lot about money. And I wanna be sensitive because I know some people come from churches where this was not taught in a loving way not taught in a way that was helpful, maybe even not taught in a way that was biblical. And so I wanna lovingly try to remind you that just because that happened in your life doesn't mean you shouldn't learn and grow and see what the Bible really does have to say. I'll say it like this, and we said this in our This Is Hope series. Don't let the bad things you've seen churches do distract you from the biblical things you're called to do as a Jesus follower. Some of you right now, I understand you are in, you got some church hurt. 
you're here and you're like, I don't really wanna do this, I would encourage you, and I know some of you don't know me very well, challenge you to, to let the word of God speak for itself and let God maybe change your heart on some things because I believe some of you are gonna be freed up. Some of you are gonna be freed up in series like this to see what the Bible really has to say and how he has given us a plan to fuel his mission. So that's one of the reasons we're doing this series. Another reason we're doing this series is frankly, the current economy. <laughs> Unless you've been living under a rock, a lot of people are talking about a pretty bleak picture. Every podcast, every news station, every article is talking about inflation and recession and money, and, and we feel it, right? If you don't believe me, just go try to buy some eggs, amen? <laughs> I don't do a lot of shopping for my family. My wife handles that. I, I went to get eggs the other day, and I was like, is this mislabeled? How much does a dozen eggs cost? Listen, this is real, but we wanna make sure as Jesus followers, we're not letting our perspective be shaped by NPR or what our news stations say or what the American economy says. We want our perspective on this stuff to be shaped on what God says, on what his word says. In fact, that's a good principle for any area of life. No matter what it is, you should always look to him rather than our own thinking and our own strategies. I'll say it this way. Can be on the screen, I think. No? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Our perspective on anything should start with the maker of everything. Our perspective, still not up there. Our perspective of anything should start with the maker of everything. Amen, amen, amen. So that's why we start with what God has to say about this. But thirdly, I gotta move quickly. Personal testimony. I know there's a bunch of people in this room that have seen God change their life through the principles we're gonna talk about in this series. I am somebody whose life has been changed by the principles in this series. Some of you know my story. I did not grow up in the church. I did not grow up hearing and learning about financial and biblical stewardship. In fact, even when I gave my life to Christ, I was a part of a church that didn't really teach on this in a way that, that I've now since learned. And I praise God in 2007, I came to Hope Church my wife and I were dating at the time, a year from being married, and I praise God for what he did in our lives through some of these principles that we're gonna be talking about in this series. God has freed us up like he's freed so many of you. If I can stay here, and I know you guys can too, some of you, since I've learned these things, this whole concept of money and possessions, it, it's put my wife and I on the same page. Like We don't have a lot of arguments or discussions about this stuff because we know it doesn't belong to us anyways. It's the Lord's. These truths have led us to avoid a, a bunch of credit card debt and save wisely for our future and really see this thing for what it is. It's God's plan. These truths have honestly, in some ways, protected us from envy and jealousy and greed and materialism and, and anxiety about so many financial and money things like maybe some of you are caught up in right now. And I believe these truths have led us to to really live generously and to see our money, not as ours, but as God's and say, what do you want us to do with this? And listen, I'm just one person and that's just what God has done through these truths in my life. And I know there's many people around the room that can testify to that. So it's the history of our church, it's the current economy, it's personal testimony, but it's also a biblical reality. Biblical reality simply is God made everything, including money and possessions, so he knows best how it should be handled. He knows best how it should be handled. Let's look to the maker of these things because he knows best how it should be handled. So that's why we're doing this series. Hope you come back next week excited about it. 
Now we're gonna jump into 1 Chronicles chapter 29. If you're ready for some Bible, say, I'm ready. Ready or not, here it comes. First Chronicles chapter 29, starting in verse 10. I wanna give us some context before we, put the, before we go through the passage. Anytime we jump into a passage, I wanna give you some context, what's going on in the passage. First Chronicles 29 is a very interesting scene. It's, it's actually the end of King David's life. This is legendary, epic King David of, of David and Goliath fame. He is at the end of his life and therefore at the end of his 40-year reign as king. I mean, this guy has done it all. He is, he is this epic, legendary king. And he stands before his people one final time. In fact, he brings everyone together to kind of share what's next. He says he's gonna give all of his possessions to building the temple that his son Solomon will eventually build. He challenges them to, to actually give up their resources to help do, help do what God is calling them to do. And it's this really awesome emotional scene towards the very end of his life. And we read these words in 1 Chronicles 29 from King David. It says, therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own have we given you. I wanna take these verses and like we do at Hope, kind of verse by verse, walk through this idea of from the Lord to his people. And to do that, I wanna lay three foundations about how God fuels his mission. Three foundations that we must understand about how God fuels his mission. Here's the first one. We must understand who he is. We must understand who he is. David starts there by helping us do this in verse 10. Blessed is the Lord. Blessed is the Lord. He, he starts, David starts by praising the Lord. It's a good thing for us to do. At Hope Church, we do that. Before we start talking about our stuff, let's turn our eyes towards him and magnify him above everything. That's what David does here. Verse 11, he starts listing these amazing characteristics of God. Greatness and power and glory and victory and majesty. See what he's doing? He's trying to remind his people, listen, before we start talking about our stuff, let's look to God. He's great and powerful and glorious and victorious. This is who he is. Listen, as we talk about how God fuels his mission, we for sure should start talking about who he is. He is God. He is sovereign. He is good. That's who he is. And second foundation is we must understand what he has. We understand who he is, but also what he has. Verse 11, David continues, for, for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. I highlighted that because I think some of us have been in church too long to really let that hit us. For all that is in the heavens, which is the universe, everything, and the earth. What did that just say? Everything that is, God says, that belongs to me. 
That's a big deal. In fact, there was this 19th century Dutch theologian named Abraham Kuyper. Abraham Kuyper has this epic quote where he said, there is not a square inch of the universe where God doesn't stand over as sovereign and say, mine. That's a God flex right there. There's not one thing that God doesn't, as the sovereign king of glory, stand over and say, that belongs to me. He is the owner of everything. David goes on to say, yours is the kingdom. How awesome is that? This legendary 40-year king says, I know my place. Yours is the kingdom, God. I may have served a little time here on this earth, but you are the king of kings. Yours is the kingdom. He's talking about his rule and his ownership of everything. Not only did God create everything, that's awesome, but he also owns everything. We see this all throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. Pastor Tom led us through a verse that declares this in Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, 26 says something very similar. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. See, the refrain of the Bible is that everything is under the dominion and rule and reign of King Jesus. He owns it all. We must understand who he is. We must understand what he has. And what does he have? Everything. But there's a third foundation. We must understand what he gives. David says in verse 12, both riches and honor come from you. Both riches and honor. There's a transition here. If you notice it, if you have your Bible open in verse 12, it starts with who God is and what he has, but there's a transition that happens in verse 12 that talks about this incredible God who owns everything actually gives stuff to us. And that's a big deal. Specifically in this ancient culture, you have to understand everyone worshiped something in the ancient culture. There was a deity for everything. But what wasn't true of the ancient culture is that those deities were generous. In fact, those deities were constantly saying, give me, give me, give me. They were never saying, hey, I, as the, the, the deity you worship, I'm gonna give to you. But our God, the only God, the God of gods actually says that he gives to us. This is this incredible principle that not only does everything come from the Lord, he gives some to his people. And of course, we could never know all that he gives, but here's a principle that is true that I want us to sit on. Everything I have, everything I have is a gift from God. And I don't know about you, but it's a lot easier for me to say amen to that when I'm talking about you. <laughs> Everything you have is a gift from God. It starts to get a little personal and weird for some of us when I start to think, no, everything I have. That's why I love an author on this issue of financial stewardship named Ron Blue. He had an incredible quote I wanna read for you. He says, scripture is very clear about who owns the earth and all the rest of creation. The problem most of us have isn't with acknowledging God owns the earth. It's acknowledging that God owns our stuff. Sounds like some people can say amen to that. For some reason, it's much easier to think the trees and the animals belong to God. But when God's ownership extends to our possessions, we find it much harder to believe God owns it all. However, scripture is very clear that everything on the earth 
is the Lord's, including all of our personal possessions. God owns it all, including our stuff. Now, if you're like me and you're type A and you're a hard worker, I could already feel the tension. Because some of you are thinking, wait a minute, don't, not so fast. You don't even understand how hard I worked for my stuff. In fact, Scott, I went to school for what felt like 15 years, maybe some of you did, doctors in the house, 15 years to get exactly what I have. Don't you dare tell me that I don't own what I've worked so hard, blood, sweat, and tears accumulating for myself. Listen, I wanna respect and honor that if you're in the room today, but I also wanna ask you a few probing questions. Who is it that gave you the skill and the strength and the ability to do those things that you do. Not to offend you even more, but if you really wanna get down to it, who is it that gave you the breath in your lungs to be able to breathe to accomplish? Listen, we just sang it. It's your breath in our lungs. Listen, the fact that you and I woke up this morning and put our feet on solid ground is because a sovereign, good, benevolent God said, I'll allow it. And that's a good place to rest It's his children. Everything we have, including the very abilities of things we have, rests in a sovereign good God. That's why verse 12 says it. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. I understand we struggle with this. I struggle with this. You work so hard at things, and so many times I can begin, and maybe you can begin to to forget where God has really brought us from how God has been gracious to us. In fact, that's been happening all throughout history with the children of Israel, with God's people. Some of you might remember the story, God miraculously rescued the children of Israel after 400 years of slavery in Egypt. You talk about a a God flex. I'm gonna bust you out of here in a miraculous way. Don't forget what I've done for you. Well, guess what? Like us, they forgot. (laughs) We catch them up in Deuteronomy where they've started to do well for themselves. They started to get back into things and they started to to make some money and get some bread for themselves and and do pretty well. And Moses has something to tell them in Deuteronomy chapter eight. Let's look at it. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations and decrees that I'm giving you today. Here it is. For when you have become full and prosperous, you have built fine homes to live in. When your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and your gold have multiplied along with everything else. What's he saying? You're, you're doing pretty good for yourself. You got a little nest egg. You got the nicest house on the block. You got some money in the 401k. I get it. But be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. I don't know why it popped in my head as I was prepping this message this week, but as I read that scripture, I thought about the early 2000s song by Jennifer Lopez. Any Jennifer Lopez fans in the house? What did she say? Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the block. Listen, God's saying, don't be fooled by all this stuff, children of Israel. I know exactly where you came from, and it's, Israel, it's Egypt, and you were in slavery. Don't be fooled by the things that you have. We are so often fooled by the things that we have. He did all this. So you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. These are all gifts from God. 
I'm looking around the room. I see a bunch of parents. You guys know how this is. When your kids start thinking the gifts you gave them belong to them. Come on. I go to grab a, a grilled cheese sandwich from one of my kids. Dad, don't. That's mine. I'm like, whoa. You brought that cheese? You brought that bread? Listen, I'm like, do you understand? I'm like, how dare you, kid? You understand? I gave you that. But how often do I look to my father? And do I say, God, this is mine. And I can imagine God saying, how, how dare you? I gave you this. Don't you dare start thinking it belongs to you. Everything I have belongs to him. Anything I consider mine is really his. Any achievement I have is only possible because of him. This is why I think David at the, in the middle of this passage has like a little praise break. Look at it in verse 13. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. It's a praise break. He's talking about all this stuff. He's saying, let's just praise the glorious name of our God. I thought, what an awesome thing for our church if we started having that kind of perspective. If you go to, to work tomorrow and that job that I know some of you hate, with that manager that I know you got one bone or multiple bones to pick with this manager. And you're sitting in your cubicle and you're getting down on this thing and you hate it. And you're like, God, I hate this place, but I understand Friday's coming and I'm gonna get a paycheck that you're providing for me. And I just wanna do what David did in First Chronicles and say, praise your glorious name because you're doing what you said you would do, which is provide for me. Well, maybe some of you, you're not using your degree. Anyone do that? Go to school and not using your degree? <laughs> God, I'm not even using the degree that I spent all this money on. But I understand as awesome, as not awesome as I feel like my situation is right now, I'm probably gonna eat dinner with my family tonight. I'm probably gonna text some friends on a cell phone that you help me pay for every month. And I just wanna say, God, I'm not all of what I wanted to be, but I praise your glorious name. See how recognizing these truths, these foundational truths, it should help us be grateful. Everything comes from the Lord, but he gives to his people. That's why David continues in verse 14, for all things come from you and of your own have we given you. Here's an easy way. We've said it for over 20 years at this church. God has entrusted some of what belongs to him to me. I don't know how much that is for you. We all have different ways of, 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 of accumulating and having, but whatever it is, God has entrusted some of what belongs to him to me. The biblical word for this is stewardship. It's a word that really means manager. We are all called to be stewards of God's stuff, managers of God's stuff. So as we round third and go to land this plane today, I wanna give us three truths about stewardship. Maybe freeing for some of you. I pray this would be freeing for some of you. Three truths about stewardship. Here's the first one. Stewardship is about trusting God. First and foremost, stewardship is about trusting God. Probably the most popular verses about trusting the Lord are Proverbs chapter three, five, and six. You've probably seen this somewhere on a coffee cup or a plaque on somebody's house. Proverbs three, five, and six. Incredible verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not some of it, all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. This word lean is a word that means to, to rest your weight on to the point of like you're, you're completely surrendering to it. It's saying, do not do that. 
but instead look to the Lord. Don't look to your own understanding. See, a lot of times we take a verse like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and we spiritualize it. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all the spiritual things, and you should. But what if we made that really practical to say, God, I'm going to trust in you for all my stuff, including what's in my bank account right now. I'm going to trust in you with all my stuff, including how I should make decisions financially for my family. A translation for our time together for this verse could be, don't make life's most important decisions resting on your own ability to figure things out. Some of us have been doing that in the area of financial stewardship, resting on your own ability, resting on your own understanding of how to figure this out and spread this thin and how to figure it all out. You should trust the Lord with everything. Trusting God no matter what the situation, trusting God no matter what the circumstance, trusting the Lord with all our heart, not leaning on our own abilities. Stewardship is about trusting. Secondly, stewardship is about honoring God. So you trust God, but there's a way to honor God. Many people know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but a lot of people don't know just a few verses later is actually a really practical way to apply 3, 5, and 6. Let's look at it in verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. I want to stop there. I'll read the rest later. Honor the Lord with all your wealth. Now, before you check out, like we always do when we see a verse like, oh, praise God, get those wealthy people, Scott, because I'm not wealthy. A couple things. Number one, let me remind you, we are all way richer than we realize when we compare it to the world standard. We are all way richer. But that's not even what this verse means. It doesn't mean an amount. In the original Hebrew language, this word wealth just means everything you own. Uh Uh-oh. This just said, if you have everything you own in your backpack right now, that's your wealth. That is everything you possess. If everything you own is in a car, in the car, in in the parking lot, that is your wealth. It doesn't matter the amount. It's saying whatever you have, that's what I want you to honor me with. Here's a way to say it. Honor me, honor God with what you have, no matter how much you have. See, a lot of us have been dishonoring to the Lord in our finances because we've just said, oh, if I have more, then I would honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with what you got because that's what this is actually saying. Honor the Lord with your wealth. How do we do that? What's some practical ways? How do we honor the Lord? Well, as we close today, I wanna read a verse of scripture from 1 Timothy where Paul actually helps his young protege, Timothy, teach people how to honor God with their resources. Here's what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Teach those who are rich in this world. Don't get tripped up by that word. We're all rich in this world in comparison to the world standards. Not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. We've all felt that so much. Their trust should be in God. Here's a very important phrase. Who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. That's a really important phrase we're gonna unpack in just a minute. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. There's two important things that Paul says here that that I think help us to honor God. And I think the first one might surprise you. The first one is we can honor God with our money by enjoying the gifts he's given us. That's what it says there who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Some of you have heard very bad Bible teaching, specifically a misquote of 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. Here's the misquote. 
Money is the root of all evil. That's not what the verse says. Open your Bible and check it out. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So it attacks where our heart is, not the tool God gave us. In fact, God gave us the tool, this verse says, to enjoy. Some Christians look down their nose and and don't want us to enjoy the good gifts that our Father has given us, but that's one of the ways we honor him is by enjoying it. I'll illustrate it by this. My wife and I just bought our two boys brand new scooters. They wanted scooters for, for Christmas and my son Blaine's birthday a couple weeks later. And we loved getting them these scooters. And it brings us great joy to see them enjoying them. We took them to the skate park yesterday. I got on a skateboard for the first time in a long time. It's not the same, people. It is not the same. <laughs> so I just sat back and I watched my sons enjoy the gift that I gave them. Now, of course, I want them to take care of it. If I see them busters running that thing off the ramp without a human on it, we're gonna have a conversation. But I love seeing their smiles and them enjoying the gifts that their father has given us. One of the ways we honor God is by enjoying the ways he's provided for us. Shouldn't feel bad about that. We just recognize who it came from and give him glory for it, enjoying it. But it's not the only way we honor him. Paul goes on to say, be generous. Be ready to to make a difference whenever I tell you to. It's this picture of being generous, of of living life with everything you have on your fingertips. It's the idea of generous living. One of our values here at Hope Church, always being ready to make a difference in the lives of others. What is this saying? God, I I wanna enjoy the things you've given me, but I also wanna live ready to do whatever it is you lead me to do with what belongs to you anyways. See, for me, sometimes I start to forget that. And I start to curl my fingers back and clench my fists and start to say, God, this belongs to me. And I need series like this and Bible passages like this to remind me to open up my hands. That's why I love Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City, said it like this. A lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not really yours, but God's. And I feel that at times when I start to clench my fists around what really belongs to God and he would call me to honor him, to live with it, ready to go on my fingertips, whatever you want, Lord, I'm ready to give back what you already gave to me. So it's about trusting God. It's about honoring God. And lastly, it's about receiving from God, receiving from God. Proverbs 3 will help us out the end of that verse 10, Proverbs 3, 10. After you do that, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I don't have time to unpack these Hebrew words. What it means is God is just lavishing out his blessing. Specifically, that word bursting, it's a powerful multiplication of what? Whatever it is that God wants to give you as you trust him and honor him, he will give you and you will receive from him. This is so freeing and I hope it frees some of you up. God just told you, if you trust me, You open up your hands and you honor me. I will take care of you. And I'm looking around the room and I can testify in my own life. I've seen him do it time and time again. It didn't matter what the ledger said. It didn't matter how it didn't make sense financially or mathematically. God showed up and did something. Show you two in a little graphic. Some of you guys right here are needing to learn how to trust God. And as you begin to trust God with everything, he, he leads you to begin to, to honor God. And as you honor God, this word just said, we can bank on it. He will provide for his children. You will receive from God. And you can all, the people that do this can testify. What happens when that happens? You trust God. 
which makes you realize I'm gonna honor him with my finances and I'm gonna receive from God, which leads me to more trust in God. And we've seen it time and time and time again. This is how God designed it. His anyways. Close with a story from the 1800s, a man named George Mueller. Some of you have heard of this man. He was an evangelist and the director of an orphanage for 300 kids. The story goes, the house mother came to him and said, the children are dressed and ready for school, but there's no food. And George Mueller said, it's okay, go ahead and put them down at the tables and we'll get started. And the story goes, George Mueller stepped up and said hi to the 300 kids. I want you to imagine this scene, 300 kids. The story says, George Mueller thanked God for the food. Plates, mats are there, plates are there, 300 kids. There's no food. But George knew what his God would do. A few minutes later, after he had prayed for the food, there was a, a knock at the door. It was the baker. The baker told George, I woke up in the middle of the night and I just knew that you need some bread this morning. So I've baked a few loaves. Do you need it? And George said, yeah, we need it. A few more minutes later, a knock at the door. It was the milkman who just coincidentally broken down right in front of the orphanage. He had a bunch of milk in his crate that would spoil by the time he fixed his car. So he said, I have a bunch of milk that's gonna spoil. Do you need any milk? And George said, yeah, I need some milk. And all that food was just enough to take care of the 300 hungry and thirsty children. What did George Mueller knew? George Mueller knew, listen, I trust you, God. This is all yours anyways. And I'm honoring what you've called me to do, even though sometimes it doesn't make sense and people think I'm crazy. But I've seen time and time again, I receive from my God who always promises to take care of his children. Some of you need to start living a life of realizing Everything you have comes from the Lord. He's given some of it to you, his people. And I hope you come back next week as we talk about his plan, as we talk about how to give through the church to see God's kingdom expanded all over the world. This is God's plan for fueling his mission. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you do in these moments. I pray as we respond for just a few minutes, God, you would help us by the power of your spirit to be obedient to whatever it is you're calling us to. I understand there may be some people here that this is some new stuff. I remember the first time I started hearing this teaching, I was wrestling with this because I'm starting to do the math. I'm starting to think through all the, the man-made things and it didn't make sense. And I'm, I'm praying that in these moments and in this series, God would free you up to understand it doesn't matter if it makes sense mathematically, God is above all that. We've seen time and time again, if you just trust him and honor him, you'll receive from him and God will take care of you. But I know there's some other people here who you know these principles, you've lived some of these principles, but if you're honest, Maybe over the last months or maybe even years, you've started to curl your fists back up and start to not live out these things you know to be true. Maybe today was just a reminder, a gentle, loving reminder from your God. Everything belongs to him. He's given some of it to you and he wants you to live in an honoring way with 
your hands open. So in just a moment, like we always do, when we go to respond, maybe you just need to come to this altar as a fresh surrender to the Lord to say, God, I, I trust you. I've trusted you before, but because of COVID or because of other things with my job or circumstances, God, I've started to, to, to pull back a little bit and I just wanna tell you, I trust you. Maybe that's the call for some of you in this room. And lastly, there may be some people here that you don't even know Jesus at all. You came to a church to hear about faith in Jesus and you're wondering how generosity has anything to do with our faith. I'm here to tell you, it is the core message of our faith. Most famous Bible verse in all the land, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. There's not a more generous being in all the universe than our God. And he would love to lavish his generosity on you today. If you don't know what it looks like to follow Jesus, come talk to us. We'd love to show you from the Bible how God desires a relationship with you and he's done everything needed to make that happen. So whatever way we need to respond, I'm praying that God and his grace would lead us to obedience. The pastors are gonna be here. If you've got something you gotta pray over, if you've got something you wanna deal with God on at the altar, whatever it is that God is leading you to do, would you follow him in obedience? Jesus, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, lead us now. Would every heart in the room be turned towards you and obey whatever it is you say? We love you, Lord. Thank you for a chance to respond to what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together today.